Um, when I was uh, little, well, when I was young, anyway. <laughs> around Christmas time, my, uh, my grandma used to take us every year, me and my brother, to the big department store in the middle of Sheffield, which was the co-op, the, B, the Brightside and Carbrook co-op. And we'd go to the co-op, and we'd go up to about floor four or something like that. It seemed to get in the lift and go forever. And we'd get out, and we'd go to the corner of the shop, which was done out like a wonderland, Santa's wonderland. We were going to see Father Christmas. And, uh, and we went into this, uh, this room, and as they opened the door, there was this, before us, there was this gigantic sleigh with like fake reindeer on the front. And, you know, we were just like amazing. We were going to go to, to Lapland or something like that. So we'd all get in the sleigh and suddenly the sleigh would start to, to move. And, uh, and we'd be hanging on and hanging on. And we, we thought we were going somewhere. But all the scenery was going past us on either side on big rollers, you know. And it was amazing. It seemed to last for ages. And then suddenly it had jolted to a, a halt. And we'd, uh, we'd get out the other side of the sleigh and go through this door. And there was this old fellow with a beard. And he'd ask you what you wanted for Christmas. And he wouldn't give it you. He'd give you a cheap plastic toy or something like that. And we'd come out and uh, we'd look at the toy and think, well, I'm not playing with that at Christmas. But anyway, but it really and truly... We really believed that we went somewhere. That sleigh ride seemed to last forever. It was a, like a magical sleigh ride. It was amazing. But all these years later, I realized it was just going nowhere. It was just a sleigh ride to absolutely nowhere. And every year we did that for, for years. Throughout my childhood, it was like, are we going to the co-op, Grandma? Are we going to the co-op? I was really disappointed when it was like, you know, not Christmas time, and we go to that floor, and there wasn't the sleigh ride there. That was a bit strange. But, you know, we wanted to go to the co-op, but all these years later, we realized it was just a ride to nowhere. And sadly, for many, many people around the world, not just in Britain, that's Christmas. That's Christmas. We go through all the rigmarole every single year, don't we? The world gets ready with the tinsel and all the trimmings. We get it all out the loft. We straighten it out. We untie all the Christmas lights. It takes us hours to untie all the Christmas lights. We stick all the cards up. We dress the tree. And we try to enter into what's now called the festive season. We don't call it Christmas anymore. And that's really Christmas. And we do that year in, year out. And we rush around and we have to go to the shops. Really and truly, it's largely a stressful season of rushing around, trying to figure out what we might have missed or forgotten or make all our efforts in our preparations and make sure that we, oh, we've got them walnuts. We always need walnuts. I don't know why, but nobody ever eats walnuts, do we? But anyway, but mankind... We worship anything but God these days, don't we? We worship the sparkle and the glitz and all the glitter and everything like that, all the opulence, and we're going through all the motions of Christmas, but actually, we're not really getting anywhere if we do it the same in, year in, year out. We miss out, if we're not careful, of the real and the beautiful at Christmas. 
I want to encourage you throughout this series that we've been running here at the church leading up to Christmas through Advent. I want to encourage you and suggest to you that this Christmas, we don't forget Jesus in in it all. We actually recognize why Jesus came, what he came to do, what he was all about, what he came to show us. It's often said, and it's become a bit of a cliche now, but it's true that Jesus is the reason for the season. He truly is the reason for the season. And as we read through the Bible, as we've been doing during this particular service, the biblical Christmas account describes how God took the risk He took the risk in his coming to earth of being misunderstood. You see, mankind wanted him to come in might and splendor and free them from all the opposition that was was going on at that particular time. But in fact, God chose the exact opposite. He didn't come in might. He didn't come in splendor. He came in humility and vulnerability. John's Gospel puts it like this, the word became flesh and made his dwelling amongst us. He describes the lead up to the birth of Christmas. And he was talking about John the Baptist when he said, there was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to bear witness about the light that all might believe through him. He was not the light, that's John, but came to bear witness about the light. The true light, which enlightens everyone, was coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made through him. Yet the world did not know him. It didn't receive him, it says in some passages. He came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave them the right to be called the children of God. That particular verse... Well, it's a mixture of deep sadness and brilliant reality. What it's actually saying is that God sent his son to earth to show the world what God the Father was like. But as it says, the world did not know him. He came to his own people, the people whom he were local to him where he was born, and they rejected him. How incredibly sad was that but there were some who did receive him who did believe in his name and they became the children of God and they came into the family of God so what John the writer to the uh, of that gospel is saying is there's two types of people described here in this passage those who reject Jesus and do not enter into God's family and those who believe in Jesus and do enter into the family of God. I wonder if you're sure what type of person you are tonight. Are you, are, are you someone who's really just come for the story, but it doesn't really mean much? Or are you on that, in that position to receive him tonight and to truly believe? There's one song by Charles Wesley which really eclipses all the rest that he wrote, and he wrote a lot. It's appeared more than 1200 times in hymn books and and carol sheets and things like that it's been recorded many hundreds of times by everyone from trinity college choir to michael buble it remains a seasonal sensation every single year hark 
the herald angels sing, glory to the newborn king, peace on earth and mercy mild, God and sinners reconciled, joyful all ye nations rise, join the triumph of the skies, with the angelic host proclaim, Christ is born in Bethlehem, hark the herald angels sing, glory to the newborn king. Perhaps Christmas would take on a more powerful meaning for us if we just took a little bit more time to think about what was happening in that first Christmas story. If we, like the characters in that first story, take time to actually gaze at him. There's a quote from Albert Einstein that's quite profound. He says this, He who can no longer pause to wonder and stand wrapped in awe is as good as dead. His eyes are closed. And in the Christmas story, we see character after character actually stopping to gaze, to wonder, as the story tells. Zachariah and Elizabeth, the parents of John the Baptist, when they received the message from the angel, they were in awe. They wondered, what can this mean? Mary and Joseph, individually and together, wondered, what did it mean that the angel came and told Mary that she was going to have a child? The old prophets, Simeon and Anna, who were in the temple uh, looking forward for the Messiah, when they saw Jesus, both of them separately stopped and wondered. The shepherds came in from the fields, knelt down by the cradle and wondered. Even the wise men, after they traveled so far, they came to, this, to the place where Jesus was and they wondered. Wonder is worship. Worship is wonderful, full of wonder. You know, on a Sunday when we, the musicians come up and we say, we're going to worship now, we sing. We sing, but I wonder, do we wonder? Do we think about the words that we're singing? Do we spend time actually thinking and wondering? Because wonder is worship and that's what was going on around this manger and it's so much easier for us who now live this side of the birth and the death and the resurrection of Jesus to realize how beautiful and how powerful the coming of Jesus actually is and yet all those characters were the other side of that and they wondered I wonder if we wonder the apostle Paul he put it like this. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For by him, all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through him and for him. And he is before all things and in him, all things hold together. And he is head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in everything he might be preeminent. For in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, 
whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by his blood on the cross. Maybe, can I suggest to you this evening, maybe, maybe this Christmas time, you do a bit more wondering. You do a bit more thinking. You take in all the films and all the food and all that's great, but think about Jesus. Think about why he came. So let me ask you, is this Christmas going nowhere for you? Or do you want to go somewhere with God this Christmas? Are you going through all the usual things and not really engaging with the real reason for the season? Are you going to reject Jesus and all he can do in your life? Or are you going to receive him and come into the, the family of God? We heard on the news last night that again, George Michael is at number one with last Christmas I gave you my heart. What about this Christmas? Why not give your heart to Jesus? Let's bow our heads, shall we? Might be that in the quietness of your own heart tonight, you want to respond to Jesus Christ. You want to say, Lord, I realize why you came. You came to show God. You came to show us who you were. The God who loves us, the God who cares for us, the God who's prepared to sacrifice his own life for us. Lord, this evening, speak to each and every one of us by your Holy Spirit. Help us afresh to wonder and to worship you. Maybe in the quietness of your own heart right now, you want to just say yes to Jesus. You want to invite him into your life. And the Bible says if you do that genuinely and sincerely, you can be called the children, a child of God. You can come into this family of God. Lord, I pray that tonight the reality of Jesus will come into people's hearts and their lives. In Jesus' name, amen.